Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from Pretoria Law in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, David Parker and Karina Bedour from Colliers International, and are my co-hosts. And David, could you give us a rundown on who our guests are today on the show? Sure. We're Nate Copeland, Senior Vice President and CEO of Intech LLC, Curtis Minder, CEO of GroupSense, Jeff Weiss, Co-Chairman and Managing Director of Distributed Sun, and Mike Mitchell, President of Person to Person Quality. Excellent. Let's get to know our first guest, Nate Copeland, Senior Vice President and CEO of Intech. Nate, what is Intech? What are you guys doing? Intech's a federal contractor um, doing system engineering and uh, program support mm-hmm. uh, in how, the intelligence how, community. How large or how small is the organization? 23 million, about 110 folks. $23 million, 110 people. Huh. And where are you from originally? I'm a native Washington, uh, Washingtonian. And how many brothers and sisters? One older sister. One older sister. All right. How old were you when uh, you started making money, Nate? Uh, oh, 15. 15. And how long did you end up working? Uh, uh, where was it that you were working? Uh, Mas- uh, Maryland National Capital Parks and Planning Commission. Yeah. Uh, and what were you doing? I was uh, then uh, one of the assistant uh, site directors working with kids on a playground keeping them off the streets and giving them something to do during the day. And how long did you end up working there? Three summers. Yeah, and what was the difference between when you started and ended up uh, finishing up? What what kinds of things did you learn? How, how were you different? Well, I became the director by year three, and um, I really learned... Director, huh? That's unbelievable at that age. Yeah, and the kids thought I was a lot older. <laughs> I was only 15, but it, it played well that they thought I was 21, which was good. And how did that experience kind of fall into what you're doing today? I really uh, gave me a, a first look at um, people with, with problems and troubles and how to help them deal with some things and being open and listening to them. Uh, wait a minute. You were 15 years old and you were 16 and then 17, and you're working at this facility and you're listening to them. It sounds like you're counseling them. Yeah, I guess you could catch it as that now. Uh huh. And you, you do that? You do that in your gig nowadays? Yeah, not uh, it's not in the uh, job description, but yes. Do you find it helpful that you're doing this in terms of building a team? Absolutely, because I think folks feel comfortable approaching me and uh, that they want to share whatever's going on. So what I hear in the news or what I read in newspapers about CEOs and COOs being, you know, really rotten people and screaming and yelling and firing people, that's not who you are. No. no. You're the counselor. Yeah. You're, you're really concerned about the culture of the organization, aren't you? Absolutely. Is that true? Absolutely. And it showed up when you were 15 years old, huh? It, I guess so, yeah. David? Uh, you mentioned earlier examples of hard work with your parents holding down two jobs each. Uh, if you just talk about that real quickly. Yeah, mom was a uh, macking vending um, change girl, so she had a change purse on and didn't have uh, change makers in the machines back in those days. And she also worked for an insurance company downtown D.C. at the time. And dad... Uh, Toss tires by night at um, at a tire company, and uh, also worked for uh, the U.S. Tax Court during the day. So you're, they were both very busy, but you, your dad took the time to understand people. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, dad. Uh, as I think someone has said, there was Nate Senior never met a, a stranger. Um, so there was always people that would want to come up to him, and he'd always think that that person is different than me, and I want to figure out why. And how did that help you as a leader? I watched his impact in people's lives, and I thought, I'm going to, and I'm still trying to be that guy every day. How how do you know he had that influence on people? Uh, This the unfortunate um, proof uh, was uh, his funeral. There's about 400, 450 people at his funeral. That's a large funeral, isn't it? We weren't expecting that crowd. uh, What else weren't you expecting? I wasn't expecting the broad uh, band of people that were there, from the cafeteria worker to the guard to the senior uh, court uh, lawyers and, and judges all there because they just really loved Nate Sr. And, and how's that affected you and how you've built this business? 
you can't have a business without the people, and I truly believe that um, at our company that we are truly, it's not more than a bumper sticker, that we're really focused on our humans. Lots of individual time spent, lots of shoe leather burned, a lot of gas burned up as I go around and visit and talk to our, our folks. Didn't you tell me earlier that, did you tell us earlier that when you came to work for the company, you made sure that the CEO's profile is actually transparent on the web you've actually published stuff about him and published stuff about his childhood because you wanted people to see that what kind of organization they were coming to work for absolutely i truly believe that if if you're going to be a part of an organization an organization feels like the person running it so it sounds to me like you've got a lot of respect for folks that are senior starting with your dad you had a lot of respect for your dad especially that's proven with the funeral it sounds to me like it also transfers to your relationship with your boss but it's like you don't see yourself superior to everybody in the team it's like you're counseling you want everybody to feel part of the team absolutely i'm a participant leader uh-huh. Karina, what do you think? So 15 years old, counseling other probably 15 years old uh, young folks. Obviously, your dad was really influential. Who else outside of family was really influential for you? There was a very close friend of the family. His name was Greg. Uh, he was an Army major. And like dad, he was a very people-focused guy. And, and he was really my first true taste while dad had been in the military. Um, he was my first true taste of a military officer at the time. So how was he influential in what you do today? Uh, I reflect back on um, Greg sitting me down and talking to me about military leadership and marrying that with my dad's uh, leadership and that, you know, there's going to be many people that salute you as an officer, but you want them to salute you for the guy in the uniform, not what's on your shoulders. So that's how that ties into today. You don't see yourself above everybody else. You're Correct. really a partner yeah. in leadership. Yeah. Huh. Tell us about um, faith. It's, it, you know, you've got, just, you, you've got a lot of respect in your blood. And I'm wondering if that came from being faith-based. It, it clearly does and did. Uh, my folks weren't, uh, they were God-fearing. They weren't necessarily practicing uh, Christians. Um, but later in life, I definitely made that decision, and, and still today. I, um, you made what decision? To accept uh, faith as a primary driver for my life. Give us an example of how you've done that. What do you mean? What's your involvement with the church? Yeah, well, right now I'm uh, very active in the music ministry in the church, and I've actually spun off my own music ministry as well. Why, uh, why music ministry? What's that tell us about you? While I wasn't a sports guy, I've always been a, a band geek. Um, uh, I then started singing right after my father passed away, and, uh, and I've been singing ever since. Uh-huh. And uh, so what, what have you learned from the church and being a band geek? Does anything to do with building this organization, which is now 110 people and $23 million, where this paper says that you're the chief operating officer? Mm-hmm. What, what did you learn at the church and the band that helped you build this business? Well, I think, uh, and actually Wynton Marcellus, trumpet player, has done some leadership uh, work around this about the, the reliance on the group, right? So... If you're a jazz musician, you can't you can't stand up with a trumpet, which I played in high school, and <laughs> wow the crowd. You need the quartet. You need the band. You need the support. You need to be able to work together as a team, and everyone needs to appreciate and give space to everybody on the team. Huh. So that's what the, C- the chief operating officer is all about. It's like being in the middle of it all and making sure that the team's there. It sounds like there's a pretty deep parallel between your band stuff and what you're doing in your business or in your professional career. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes, I, I do believe. Uh-huh. I really think that I'm, you know, other than the, the business aspects of things, of course, uh, to engage our employees and ensure that they're bonded to us as an institution. Yeah, that sounds like what your role was on the band, too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. Uh-huh. Drum major in high school. and. Uh huh. What was your role in the team back then on, as a drum major in high school? Lead the band. Uh-huh. March them down the field. Uh-huh. It sounds to me like you had the same role then that you've got now, and also the same thing you were doing working when you were 15. David, Mr. Parker, what are you thinking? No, I've really listened to you before. The, 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 I had written down this, this passion for music. Um, at, when in, in leading the people, what kind of things have you learned as the band leader, the orchestra? How has that specifically helped you in, uh, in, in taking your company as far as you have? I think it's focused on individual strengths, and I actually call it tagging up, and it's um, uh, getting their aspirations and their goals, and not necessarily just mine, and then how can I apply them to our whatever we're after. So either we're after performing this piece of music, how can I use the drummer's 
specialties there or in our organization? How can I use the extrovert in the right place? How can I use the introvert in the right place and not push them to places they don't necessarily want to go? It makes complete sense to me. So you're telling me that you're getting to know, on one hand, there's the organization, there's the goal for the team, but you're getting to know each of the individual players and what their strengths are and using everybody for their strength. You did that in the band and you're also doing that in the business? Yeah, I try to. I think we focus in the in business in general too much on our weaknesses and try to fill our weaknesses. They are what they are, but I think we don't take a, enough advantage of our strengths. So, but that's where your deep feel and understanding of people really comes into play because that's in fact, you know, that's we were talking earlier about your being the counselor. The fact that you really get to know these individual people so you're able to use everybody wisely for their strength. I guess they feel fulfilled also because they're doing a good job because it's their passion what they're being used for. I think so, too. I think if people feel that they're truly a part of something big and appreciate it, bigger than themselves, everybody wants to do that. Uh, I think they feel valued, and uh, and we never let them forget it. Sounds to me like you're a master in the study of human nature. What's the website address for this Intech? Uh, IntechLLC.net. Let me have that one more time. I-N-T-E-C-L-L-C.net. You've been speaking with Nate Copeland, Senior Vice President CEO of Intech, here on Executive Leaders Radio with my co-host David Kuntzman, Pretori Lord, Dave Parker, and Karina Bedour. Colliers International will be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, Mm -hmm. parents, Mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. And your name is? Megan Fishburn. And Megan, what organization are you with? Agency Q. And what is Agency Q? We are a digital marketing agency that uses technology to solve real business challenges for our clients. Give me that again. What are you talking about? So when you take creative and strategic thinking that is independent of any technical platform and you combine it with meticulous engineering and precise execution, you're able to create digital experiences for clients that really have an impact and make a difference. Who are your typical clients? Uh, They range from Fortune 50 companies to nonprofits. Uh Um, How long have you been at this organization? Five years. Why do you stick around there? Uh, The people. I get to work and learn from a tremendously talented group of people who are smart and innovative and uh, fortunately a little weird too. Uh What's your role in the agency? Uh, I'm part of our business development team. I work with our clients to come up with solutions that help solve their challenges. So when you're meeting with a client, what do you do? How, how do you, what do you do with a client? What do you, how do you start off? I first and foremost listen. Um, I want to hear all about their business and what makes them unique, what makes them tick, what drives them every day. And then what? And then uh, I work with my team based on the challenges that our clients have to come up with a solution that best fits their problem. And it may not be conventional, it may not be traditional, but uh, ultimately it works for our clients. So what do you like about that stuff? Uh, We have the ability to not only challenge the standards, but to change them every day. 
when you can work with a government client to use artificial intelligence to call through tens of thousands of documents, that's not only a great day at the office. So what do you enjoy about your job? What do you like about your gig? Uh, The people and the unique challenges that we face every Uh day. What's the website address of this organization? Agencyq.com. Let me have that one more time. Agencyq.com. And your name again is? Megan Fishburn. And uh, this is Herb Cohen with Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. And we'd like to introduce Curtis Minder, who is the, uh, is that correct? Yes. Good. Curtis Minder, CEO of GroupSense. Curtis, what is GroupSense? Uh, GroupSense is a cyber intelligence uh, company in Arlington, Virginia. That sounds pretty sophisticated. Uh, And how large or how small is this organization? Uh, We're about 30 people, a few million in revenue. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, where are you from originally? Uh, Grew up in central Illinois. Uh huh. How many brothers and sisters? I have uh, one younger sister. One younger sister, Mr. Parker. Your turn. Um, Curtis, what was the what was the first job that you had that you could remember as a kid? Uh, I was twelve, and I went to work for uh, the Apple Barn, which is uh, an apple orchard. And what were you doing there? Uh, pick, picking apples. The um, w- what did you do after you finished with uh, with the Apple Barn? Uh, I got a worker's permit and uh, started working at Dairy Queen. And w- when you worked at Apple Barn, what did you do different than all the other kids? Uh, I, w- I was the one to, to climb the tree typically, uh, which is a little dangerous. Uh, you get stung a lot by uh, bees. Was that your <laughs> idea or did they force you to do that? No, Nobody else was doing it. So somebody, one of us had to get up there <laughs> to so get the so apples. So you did that. And then what was, Dave, what was the question about you had? What was the common thing? What was the common thing between y- your second job at the fast food and the, and the Apple Barn? Uh, just uh, you had to hustle. Um, you know, at the fast food restaurant, I was by far the youngest person there, so it was a little intimidating. Uh, so I had to overcompensate. So hustling, working hard yeah. from the from an early age, you had that. What, what happened next? Uh, I did fast food a couple more times, um, but uh, when I was 16, I uh, got my first job in an early internet company. Mm-hmm. You got a job at an internet company, and uh, what did you start doing when you started that internet company? I, I came on as a, a technical support person. Really? And uh, what happened? Uh, so I worked my way up uh, by working the weekends. I stayed after and, and worked with the uh, administrator quite a bit on, on side projects and became the assistant systems administrator within a year. So you're 17 years old and you're the assistant systems administrator. And you mentioned, yeah, how large was that company? I, I imagine they were around between 40 and 50 people. And didn't you mention that you had a group reporting to you at the age of 17, even though you had started at the age of 16? Yeah, yeah. How many people? I want to think it was around 12. Uh Uh-huh, around 12 people. That's interesting. Who's got the next question here? Well, you're 17, and you've got people much older than you reporting to you. How do you you get them in line? How do you manage them? Uh, (coughs) It was never really an issue. Mostly uh, people just, just did what we needed. Uh, did, did you try and set a particular example? Y- yeah, I, I definitely, mm-hmm. w- you know, w- was a w- doer as well. So I was I was working the, uh, by example. I was able to lead by example. And so you're, s- you're self-taught in IT. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So you're self-taught in IT, and in a year you would advance to running the department. And one of the reasons you don't tend to have problems with folks is because it sounds to me like you lay the tracks. You're an anticipator. Yeah, and, and and a doer. So I I I am I'm practiced in what they're what, what my staff are doing uh-huh. as well. Uh huh. Karina, what do you think? Seventeen years old, uh, early internet company. Talk to me about what early on in your life really inspired you to pursue that kind of work. Uh, my dad worked for Pillsbury. He was um, working in a flour mill, uh, lifting very heavy sacks of flour from one conveyor belt to another. Uh, and my mom worked for the state um, of Illinois as an accountant. And when I was very young, I'd visit both of their workplaces, and my dad's was a pretty terrible environment to be. It, was very, it wasn't climate-controlled. Uh, it was very manual work. Um, my mom uh, worked hard also, but was in an office, and she had a, uh, a calculator and a cup of coffee in her hand. And All right, so so it's pretty clear hustled. which one was a better environment. <laughs> so you hustled your way into IT. Yeah. How'd you hustle your way into your first suit? <laughs> uh, my, my mom actually found the, uh, the ad for the Internet uh, technical support role uh, encouraged me to 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 apply for it helped me with the resume but she also took me suit shopping she took me to the mall we went to jw which is the trendy suit shop i don't know if you remember jw but uh uh and helped me pick out my first couple suits how, how young were you when you when you got your first suit uh 15 or 16 ish and yeah. your mom took you to get that suit. yeah yeah 
Uh-huh. Is your mom aware of your success nowadays? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she is. Has your mother been to your office? Uh, ironically, uh, she visited yesterday, actually. Uh-huh. How do Illinois. you think she felt, considering she bought you your first suit? <laughs> I'm sure she's uh, she's pretty excited. Uh, come on, how I'm do not you working in a flour mill. <laughs> how do you think she feels, though? Yeah, I'm sure she's she's proud. You think she was surprised? Did she surprised? Yeah, yeah. She liked to meet my team as well. It was really nice. Yeah. Your mom at your team? Yeah. So uh, how'd you introduce your mom? You said, hi, everybody. You might meet my mom? Yeah, yeah, basically. My father was there as well, and they, they sat in the office and talked to the team for a while. Oh, well, why'd you do that? <laughs> Isn't that disruptive to the business, introducing your parents to your team? It, w- it actually wasn't intentional. Uh, I brought them after hours, but my team was working late, <laughs> and they, they were surprised. They so surprised what, was the, what was the effect of that, your parents meeting your team and your team meeting your parents? Uh, you know, I, I think they, they uh, appreciated the types of folks that work uh, on our staff. Um, they, they identified with them uh, and vice versa. What did your parents tell you later on after everybody left? Oh, they, they, they were uh, very complimentary of, of, of the team. What did your uh, team tell you about your parents? Uh, they, <laughs> they actually, uh, uh, the, the one sort of gratuitous comment was that they reminded them of their parents as well. Uh, so. Oh, so you're somewhat normal. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the next question here? Um, who, who besides your mom and dad had an impact on you? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people. Um, I remember a pivotal uh, influence was a gentleman named Randy Maxey. He, w- he worked for the radiology lab at the hospital in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and uh, he was the father of a friend of mine in high school. And uh, he would bring home projects, uh, electronics projects, from, from the hospital and, and work on them on his kitchen table. And I would sit there with him in the evenings and help him program circuit boards. What kind of effect did that have on you? Um, just, I, I think, witnessing Randy's capability, uh, you know, he didn't have all the fancy machines. He had a small Toshiba libretto and some wires, and he was able to, to fix these, these very expensive uh, circuit boards for radiology machines. So what's that mean? How does that translate to what you're doing nowadays? Um, I mean, I, uh, ultimately, uh, if you put your mind to it uh, and, you, and, you, and you work hard at it, I think you can, you can accomplish virtually anything. Huh. How about that? So you're resourceful and you think whatever you put your mind to, you can do. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Next question. Who's got it? You're, you're a teenager and you're going to school full time and w- working really hard and managing people mm-hmm. at, the, at the Internet company. Um, uh, you're not like goofing off like the typical teenager, um, with, uh, but you're very self-motivated. Where, where do you get that from? Um, you know, I, uh, my entire family is, is sort of self-made, and, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money, but my parents worked extra hard. to, to um, We lived in a middle-class neighborhood, uh, but I don't think we had middle-class income, so th- we, they put us through, the first few years, they put us through private, private school, um, which is very expensive. Uh, and so I just I try to respect that uh, and make the most of it. Respect what? What are you talking about? Um, how much my parents invested in, in us uh, when I was young. What do you mean? That I mean, working in a flour mill, uh, you know, twelve hours uh, shifts is 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 grueling, and and ultimately uh, working those extra hours, those extra how shifts. Do you, how do you, why yeah. why do you remember that your mother bought you your first suit? Did she give you the money or did she lend you the money? Oh no, no, she 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 paid for it. <laughs> but you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What do you remember about that? Uh, well, for I knew virtually nothing about suits so uh, I had <laughs> she had to teach me everything I, I, I didn't know what well, was considering what. she sacrificed it sounds like yeah. you know she could have sent you out wearing your normal clothes but she wanted you dressed up yeah well she and she wanted me to get the job and she she pushed me in a lot of other ways as well, well what's the website address for this organization uh, it's groupsense.io let me have that one more time it's a groupsense.io we've been speaking with Curtis Minder CEO of GroupSense here on Executive Leaders Radio with my co-host David Konsman from Pretoria Law and Dave Parker and Karina Bedour from Colliers International don't forget to visit our website it's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders that's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders we'll be back in a moment right after this break one help building your business with help from this show's CEOs Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, 
because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And next time, I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? MedTechConference.org. Let me have that one more time. MedTechConference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Torb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Jeff Weiss, co-chairman and managing director of an organization known as Distributed Sun. Jeff, what is Distributed Sun? What are you guys doing? We develop, own, and operate solar plants around the country. We mm-hmm. How large or how small is this organization in terms of revenue or dollars deployed? We've, we've built $250 million of solar plants, and we operate in 11 states. Wow. That's pretty substantial, $250 million in 11 states. Where you're from originally? I was born in Washington, D.C., seventh mm-hmm. generation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. moved to New York and then to Chicago. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters you got? I have two younger sisters. And tell us about what makes your sisters special. Well, they're very special. So um, one sister is three years younger, and mm-hmm. she and I are very, very close. And 
spent a lot of time together. My youngest sister, I'm also close to Jill, is nine years younger, and she has Down syndrome. She has Down syndrome. Tell us a little bit about um, your life with your younger sister and how that affected you. Well, having a sister with disabilities is, is, uh, affects everything you do in the family. What um, do you mean? And Jill, to this day, uh, doesn't speak. Um, she's a wonderful person. She's a happy person, but she didn't learn to speak, and her ability to interact is, is very modest. Uh-huh. And that was true uh, the whole time uh, growing up. Uh-huh. So Karina, didn't you have a question about a sister? Yeah, you talked uh, moving to other cities when you were young, yeah. bringing friends home from school, sort of navigating the waters with introducing them to your sister. How does that influence how you kind of manage your teams and, and your business now? Well, one of the things I guess I learned with a disabled sister was watching other people with her mm-hmm. um, and watching how they reacted to her. So I learned personally to look at people and how they react and think think about them. People have to uh, accept. And what uh, about and managing interact. their reactions? Well, I learned about them as people. And I, one of the things I learned is you can't change people, but you have to understand them where they are. What's that have to do with building a business, though? Well, building businesses is all about teams. Building businesses is all about selling. Building businesses is all about uh, interacting um, in the marketplace. And there, there are always people who uh, are buying whatever you're selling, and you can't change their personality. So it's important to understand what's important to them and sell it to them in, and communicate in their way. David? Yeah, Jeff, what, what kind of jobs did you have as a kid? Um, as a teenager, I worked in a camera store, Highland Park, Illinois. What was the best part of it? Was it fun? It was a lot of fun. So my, my job job was uh, was organizing the film that w- had been processed and uh, just giving it to the customers, selling to the customers when they walked in the store. Uh, the fun part for me after a while was I got to be a camera salesman. Uh, so I had the opportunity to sell Nikons, Canons, Pentaxes to uh, folks who were coming in, uh, usually as gifts. Uh, And what was fun for me was to both uh, 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 sell to them that which was interest to them, um, but I made it interesting by deciding uh, what brand I was going to sell that day because I decided that they were all similar and I would sell uh, what was interesting to me that day. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. You mentioned something that caught my attention earlier, and it was I asked about whether uh, the fun was the money or the fun was seeing people walk out with something that they could use and be happy. Could you talk a little more about that? It had absolutely nothing to do with money. I was being paid an hourly rate whether I sat in the corner or sold the camera, so it, 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 it literally had nothing to do with money. It was, it was about making it, making it interesting, and, and I liked um, making the people happy when they walked out. Is there anything about that kind of let's creation of happiness and uh, and uh, going forth and being able to use something to make it better with your business as an entrepreneur and and helping companies get better? Well, helping companies get better is all about um, succeeding in the marketplace. So, uh, a, a story from the time that I was in the um, online photography business in the 1990s, I put the business of photography online. Uh, with Picture Network International. Um, and early on, we I had the opportunity to sell the two customers back to back. One was um, w- one was the uh, photo editor of Time Magazine. And I went and met with her, showed her my whole pitch, um, showed her how she could get photographs for Time Magazine online. And she ended that. And she says, Jeff, that's just great. But she says, please tell me how your pictures are going to get from that computer into my slide carousel. And I walked out on the 6th Avenue in New York, and I knew she was not going to be an early adopter, and she was not going to be buying online digital photography. At the same time, I went to, Nash- I went to um, Encyclopedia Britannica in Chicago um, and sold to a man with the same position there. He listened to the whole conversation, and he said, you know, I have no idea if anyone would use this, but we should give it a try. It looks cool. The only problem was he didn't have a computer. So he said, how much do those things cost? About $4,000. <laughs> And he said, um, well, I'll buy a computer. He said, I, and I said, if you buy the computer, I'll buy the modem, which costs $400. So it sounds to me like you, you, felt, you feel very natural walking in as a, in, a, in a sales environment, having that conversation. When you moved uh, from D.C. to New York to Chicago, wasn't it difficult getting acclimated to the new groups of kids? I miss the kids I moved from. I had lived there. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Highland Park. Uh, as a new town, but I met kids fast. It was a really nice community. 
Isn't that the I, same I was, fifth, I was in fifth grade. Isn't that the same personality trait, though, as you just told the two stories where you spoke to those two potential clients? It sounds like you were pretty comfortable walking into those environments and establishing a relationship and developing a rapport. It sounds like it has a lot to do with the childhood stuff. Is there a connection there? It could be. I love people. I like meeting people. I like understanding what interests them. Mm-hmm. Next question. You take the time to learn about people, to read them, and, and you also love sales. Tell us about what your parents did. So my father was an investment banker. He was in the corporate development business, all about buying and selling companies. Um, my mom was a, uh, is a mom, is a homemaker, and was on the city council uh, for a very long time. So she was a local uh, politician. And as a, as a local politician, you're seeing the whole human parade uh, and, and, it, and de- interacting with them and dealing with their issues and needs. My mom dealt with everything. You know, mm-hmm. there's every manner of personality and background dealing with a city council in a in a suburban town. And you picked up those uh, those skills from your mom, and also the sales skills from your dad. Bit of a combination. Yeah, she she can deal with anybody, mm-hmm. and she needed to be able to deal with anybody because she that's what you have to do when you're a politician. Okay. And dad mm-hmm. could, had to deal with people to close deals. Who, who besides your mom and dad had an influence on you when you were a kid? I guess my grandfather. My grandfather was a lawyer. I loved him a lot. He taught me a lot. I watched watched him work. Um, he taught me how to play golf. Was, Wait, he, was he close by? Did he live near you or was he away? That you he lived near me when we were in New York and then in Chicago he was far away. When you mentioned you, you watched him work, what are you talking about? How that happened? So... So he was a motion picture antitrust lawyer. It was a very interesting and very specific uh, type of work. He actually created that line of work in the 1950s and spent the next uh, couple of decades um, as, the, as the leader in that, indus- in that specific part of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to know a lot, of the, a lot of his clients who were people who owned um, theater chains and people H- in the How young were business. you? I was a kid. How, and how, you're telling me your grandfather brought his grandson, who was a kid, who's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, four. He brought you with. He introduced me to his friends. Why would he do we, that? He's an attorney. He's trying to pick up clients. He's trying to be a professional. You're just his grandson. I was his grandson. He, he wanted to introduce me to his friends. Uh oh. So he, play, he played cards with them. We had lunch together. So you would shake their hands and you would talk to them. Of course. Would you talk to Would you talk to them about and how they influence you? Most people are very good at talking to young people. They ask them what's on their mind, and you tell them what's on your mind. Uh-huh. So how these people influence you? I understand how your grandfather influenced you. How these other, how did your fr- grandfather's friends influence you? They were my grandfather's friends, and I was very happy to meet them. And so and you're comfortable talking. You're just naturally comfortable talking to people, whether it's moving into a new neighborhood, whether it's potential clients. Karina, are you picking that up as well? I am. How did that translate into now in adult? I mean, as a young kid talking to elders, basically, professionals, maybe on the golf course, playing cards, but now you're managing a variety of different people. You're interacting with engineers. You're in solar energy. Talk to me a little bit about how you manage all of those relationships from the experiences you learned then. So if there's a string to what I've done for 30 years, it's that I'm a history major. Okay. And as a history major, um, I don't have the technical skills, um, but every company I've started and every company I'm in, including the solar business, is successful because of technology. Um, so I've determined over time that when the technology is at a, is at a point that I can both understand it um, and explain it and sell it, it's probably ready for prime time. Right. So we were talking earlier about the transfer of enthusiasm as the definition of a sale, and you feel really passionate about that when you were 15, you talked about selling cameras and tell us some stories about times when you would set your mind as to what you were going to sell a, a particular customer that would come in the door. Well, maybe when customer comes in, you've got tons of options and you're saying, you know what, I think I know what this person needs. You haven't even asked them. Well, in the camera store, it was all about what they wanted to buy for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I, so I had the, I, I Again, you'd, you'd have the Pentaxes, you'd have the Nikons, you'd have the Canons. Mm-hmm. From a nominal point of view, they all had the same features. And for me, it was about determining uh, how to sell one, to make both to make that person right. happy, but the to see if I could same. sell the one. What's the website address for Distributed Sun? www.distributedsun.com. 
distributedsun.com. We've been speaking with Jeff Weiss, co-chairman and managing director of Distributed Sun here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. Back in a moment, right after this break. And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? WearAware. And uh, what is WearAware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm-hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically in Google. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm-hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC mm-hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of like Pitney Bowes. Mm-hmm. So, and you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes, so I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm-hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I love mm-hmm. the constant pace of change. And What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name is? I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm-hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you hell no it's a lot longer uh-huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization boston.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more boston.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow 
assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mike Mitchell, president of Person to Person Quality. Mike, what is Person to Person Quality? Uh, we're a market research and customer service, customer experience uh, measurement firm. All right. How large or how small is that organization? Uh, we're a couple million in sales, and we have about half a dozen people. Uh-huh. And uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, one brother, one sister. Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the oldest. Uh-huh. What did that do to you, being the oldest of three? Uh, well, it gave me some privileges. Uh-huh. But uh, gave me some sense of responsibility too. Do you, I think. Well, how, what do you mean you had a sense of? Res- did somebody tell you that you had to be responsible, or what was that? What that look like? No, there were a lot of role models. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody in the family sort of acted that way. Extended family, and uh, uh-huh. so uh, all right, cool, David. What are you thinking? And Mike, you mentioned that you when you when you moved, I think to, to Arizona, you were involved with uh, you know playing sports and everything. But but what kind of jobs did you have? Oh, I started out delivering papers like a lot of people, newspapers. And how old uh, were you? Uh, 12 or 13 at wow. that point. And what other kinds of jobs did you have? Well, from there I graduated to, uh, I guess, mowing lawns primarily and then went to work in a grocery store bagging groceries and drove a truck when I was in college. So the, the easy thing would have just been hanging out at the pool and, uh, and, and hanging out at the pool. What, what was it that drove you to keep working and, and getting these jobs? Well, at first, I just wanted money to do some things and buy things that I that I wanted when I was a kid. After a while, it became paying my way through college and ultimately law school. So, is there anything about that kind of early entrepreneurial spirit? I mean, hard work, entrepreneurism. That uh, you, what I just heard is that you started your own company. What is there any tie? Well, I think there is. I mean, you, you when I was a kid, except for the sort of umbrella that my parents provided. Um, over everything, I, I was pretty much able to make my own decisions and get those jobs, work at it, move up as I wanted to move up. Uh, starting a business, it's your operation, and you win, lose, or draw based on what you do and decide to do, and can build a good team well, to goes, help you do it. Goes back to the fact that you were, you know, you took responsibility for yourself. You had confidence in yourself. Who's got the next question? Karina. Twelve years old. Uh, normally, twelve-year-olds don't just decide they want to make some money, start a business. You mentioned role models. Who were some of those folks early on that really inspired you to say, I can do this by myself? Well, I don't know there was any particular entrepreneur who was a role model. I, I, th- I had an uncle who was a priest. I went to the Catholic school and there were a couple of nuns that were yeah. pretty influential and, and uh, they gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of encouragement about uh, thinking about what I wanted to do and thinking about to sort of how to get there. And influential in discipline or in structure? Uh, well, both, but uh, sort of self-disciplined. Uh, some of the old uh, stereotypical nun stories were not true in, in our case, <laughs> but uh, it was a very good environment. Nice. And as a company that does you know, mystery shopping and, and sort of quality control, do you find some parallel with being the oldest and having structure in your upbringing and, and being able to kind of manage what's going on around you, keeping an eye on it? Well, we do have to keep a close eye. We want to, we have a lot of people we have to manage because we have shoppers, testers in some cases, who are all over the country and there are hundreds of, uh, of them, them working every uh, month on these shops and we keep it all together. Fortunately, I have a great team of people who help with that, but there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. David? Uh, Mike, tell us what your parents did. 
My mother uh, went to teacher's college, became a teacher for a couple of years, and then became a homemaker uh, and spent the rest of her life doing that, I guess. My dad owned a uh, grain elevator. He was an entrepreneur back in his early uh, career. Uh, got sick and then uh, moved and had to change careers and that sort of thing. Now, as a, as a school teacher, um, uh, as your mother raising you, and now your business today where you're doing testing, um, tell us what you might have learned from your mother. Well, she was very uh, interested in making sure that my sister and my brother and I did well in school. So we, we had a lot of coaching in that sense going through school, particularly in grade school. <clears throat> One of the things she taught me was she, when I got to high school, was she encouraged me to take typing. This is back in the old days. And uh, I didn't want to do it because I thought it was worthless. But it was one of the best things I've ever taken because I spend lots and lots of time on a keyboard now. <laughs> and so it worked out very well. Yeah, sometimes the older we get, the smarter our parents become. That's right. You know. Um, <laughs> so so uh, when you started this business, were you married or single? Married. Uh-huh. And you spoke to your wife about starting this business? I did. Uh-huh. Did she realize uh, that it was a financial risk and you could lose your money? 85% of businesses go out of business in the first couple of years? She did. Uh-huh. But what happened? Well, she's, she's always had a lot of confidence in me. Hopefully it's worked out well from her perspective. Uh-huh. But uh, she was right there supporting all the way. Uh-huh. So you, so you bring to the party. Tell us about what you bring. What did what, 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 you get from mom you bring to the party every day and your dad? What do you bring from dad to work every day? Well, she had a good attitude about work. She, uh, after we got older, she went back to work um, as a just mm-hmm. a, a secretarial kind of job. But she she liked to do that. She, she liked the work. She liked to keep herself busy, huh? Yes. How about yes, that? What did what'd you get from dad? You bring to work every day. Well, as I mentioned, dad got sick. He had to change jobs. It was sort of like he had a sense of responsibility, and uh, it was like. You know, I have to make sacrifices because of circumstances here and not going to do what I wanted to do in the beginning, but uh, we'll work it out. And how, how, make it how, work. What kind of sacrifices did Dad make? What are you talking about? Well, he had to change. First, there were financial sacrifices when he got sick, and then he had to recover from that. He had to learn a new business when he was... Uh, you learned about resilience from your dad, didn't you? Yeah, yeah that's right. He was uh-huh. a very resilient guy. He never like gave figuring up. out new markets, trying to figure out where the new markets are in your business. New, where, op- what's the, what's new opportunities. New right. opportunities all the time. What's the website address of this organization? It's uh, person2personquality.com, all one word, and it's person with T-O. Mm-hmm. Person2personquality.com. Person. We've been speaking with Mike Mitchell, president of Person2Person Quality. David, will you give us a rundown on who we've had the opportunity of speaking with today? Our guests have been Curtis Minder, CEO of GroupSense, Mike Mitchell, President, Person-to-Person Quality, Jeff Weiss, Co-Chairman and Managing Director of Distributed Sun, and Nate Copeland, Senior Vice President and COO of Intech LLC. Excellent. I'd like to thank my co-host, Mr. David Kunzman, Pretori Law, David Parker, and Karina Bedour from Colliers International for giving me a hand structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and an entertaining radio show. David, what's the website address for Pretori Law? Uh, it's uh, PretoriaLaw.com. That's P-R-O-T-O-R-A-E Law.com. And the uh, website address for Colliers International is? It's www.colliers.com forward slash Washington, D.C. Excellent. Uh, this is our call. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today. We uh, hope you enjoyed the show and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.